I think probably one of the first questions that most of us are asked when we're a kid is, um, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? What do you want to be when you get older? Um, I remember being in first grade at Miss Slovak's class, and Miss Slovak looked at me and she said, Ben, what do you want to be when you get older? What do you want to do? And I said, I want to join the circus. And she's like, well, I'm glad you're aiming so high in life, son. That's great. I, although, if I'm honest, some days working for the church kind of feels like you're working for circus. It's another issue. But, um, you know, there's the, it does kind of beg the question, doesn't it, is that, you know, what you do, does it give you meaning? What you're doing in life do you get meaning out of it? Or are we just kind of phoning it in, right? Do you get meaning in what you're doing? The truth is some of us do, some of us don't, some of us just have bills to pay, we all have bills to pay, but some of us are not quite there, you know? We, we don't, it's not that we hate our jobs, it's hate what we do, but we're not really getting meaning out of it. You've heard that thing, if you do what you love, you'll never work another day in your life, and there's some truth there. But what I'm asking you is maybe a deeper question. What gives you emotional and spiritual juice? <laughs> in other words, what gives you meaning? Um, it, it's really interesting. Pope Benedict XVI used to say this. He says, we were not made for mediocrity, but for great things. And yet, some of the great things that we do are found in mediocrity, in the small, insignificant things that we do all day. You know, the truth is, let's be brutally honest, if you don't mind, people are not going to remember our resumes, folks. Resumes are fine. We each have to have them. We each build up our resumes. But they're not going to remember that after we're gone. You know what they're going to remember? Epitaphs. They're going to remember your epitaph. And not the one written on a tombstone, the one that you leave engraved on their hearts. That's your legacy. A month after you and I are gone, they're not going to remember your resume. No offense, but they're not. They will remember the epitaph that you leave on their hearts. My question to you is this, do we live for ourselves, or do we live for a higher purpose, something greater than yourself, something that's going to go on after you're, you're gone? You know, there, there's two things as a parish priest that I, I sometimes mention that a lot of times people don't want to hear about. They don't want to hear it. So I'm going to say it, okay, just start in the pot right? Okay. So first thing that people often don't want to hear about is life is not going to go according to plan. Have you noticed this? Life is not going to go according to how we plan it out. Maybe we get ma married. Okay, let's have, have some children, and we're infertile. Maybe we get our degree in this topic, newly minted graduate, and we end up doing something totally different because we can't get a job in that field. Maybe we have a grandson in the military, 
and he goes off and he's got big plans and three years later he comes back missing a leg. Life is not going to go according to plan. The measure of a man or a woman is how well you and I can pivot according to what life drops in your lap. It's not going to go according to plan. Number two, this is a hard one. You are not the exception to the rule. You are loved by God, don't get me wrong. But you are not the exception to the rule. It it vexes me. People think that they know people suffer, but that's not us. We're the exception. I know other people are going to go through physical They're going to have challenges with their kids. They're going to go through cancer and divorce and that stuff. But that doesn't happen to us. We're the exception to the rule. Good luck. You ever heard of the Ten Suggestions, otherwise known as the Ten Commandments? (laughs) Raise your hand if you know all ten of the commandments. How many people know all ten? Two people. That's great. Sorry, Jesus. I'm not with these people. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so, like, when, when God, by the way, this doesn't come from the priest, it came from God. God says, honor the Sabbath. He means honor the Sabbath. That means that takes precedence over sports. That takes precedent. When you go on vacation, we find out where we're going to be so we can go to Mass. MassTimes.org. Okay? You're setting the example. It means that I honor my spouse. It means that I'm not gossiping. But people, they, they, they actually see this as a suggestion. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's kind of, we get to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how are we going to explain that to Jesus? Lord, I thought these were suggestions. Really? Okay. Yeah, good. And yet he's going to be like, I suggest purgatory. No, he won't say that. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's going to be things that we have to live. There's, there's rules that we live by. And here's why I'm telling you this. Because when we live in those, those rules, okay, which our culture hates, they hate that, you find that's where freedom is. Real freedom is not just choosing and being able to choose what we want. Real freedom is living in the truth. And when we live in the truth, we end up channeling our time in ways that bring us happiness, fulfillment. Jesus says this in John chapter 15. He says, you did not choose me. I chose you to go and bear fruit that will remain. I chose you to go and bear fruit that will remain. You know, um, anybody here ever seen uh, Saving Private Ryan? This is a beautiful scene in Saving Private Ryan where the War Department is writing letters home to the parents who have lost sons in battle. And if you don't know this, there's over 400,000 soldiers that died in World War II, American soldiers. And the War Department sent home usually a Western Union telegram, and it was delivered with a Catholic priest. Because they had a Catholic priest that delivered all these. The average age of the American soldier that died in World War II is 26. They have since done a lot of interviews with those Catholic priests that went with the Western Union people. 
and the women that wrote those letters home. And they asked them, how did you do this? How did you write all these letters to these parents telling them that their, their kid was deceased? I mean, how do you do that? And then I've asked myself as a priest, would I be willing to be that priest that goes with the Western Union man and knocks on the door? You know what you do as a priest in that situation? You know what you say? Nothing. You shut up and you just be. That's it. But you know, they, they talked to the, these priests and they talked to these people and they said, how did you do that? You know what they said? It gave me meaning. It gave me meaning to be able to somehow help these people even if I didn't do anything, I was just present. And this is why I'm saying this. Does what you do give you meaning? People are not going to remember your resume. They're going to remember your epitaph that you leave on their hearts. We were not made for mediocrity, but for great things. And the way that we accomplish great things is we give ourselves to something bigger than us. It's going to go on after us. You know, when I was in the seminary, I played played percussion in a band of uh, seminarians. And so they would ask us to go around and play at these youth conferences. So we went around the country and played. And uh, we were in Springfield, Illinois. Never forget, we were in Springfield, Illinois, playing for a youth conference, and the priest, he comes up to me and he said, so what, what's the name of your band? I was like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, do we, do we have a name? So I turned around to the, the seminarians, I was like, what's the name of our band? And the guy's like, how about the Priesty Boys? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we're not going to call ourselves the Priesty Boys, all right? We are not a boy band, okay? No. And, but those of you that have played music together, if you're a musician, you know what I'm talking about, is, is there's like this unspoken language that musicians have when you play together. Like you pick up on the subtle cues of other musicians, right? It's awesome. Those of you that work out, I think you know what I'm talking about. When they talk about the zone, you get in the zone, right? The, the, they call it flow sometimes. That's what I'm talking about. What gives you juice? Spiritual and emotional juice, right? Do you have meaning? Or are we just kind of phoning it in a little bit, you know? I'll close with this. Last year, in the country of Mexico, did you know that over 50 Catholic priests were murdered for their faith. One country, 50 Catholic priests, one year. Last year in the country of Nigeria, the most populated country in Africa, 49 Catholic priests were killed for their faith. One country, one year. And yet, it's ironic because the seminaries in Nigeria and the seminaries in Mexico are packed They are packed. Isn't that funny? Because you think if the young men from Nigeria and the young men from Mexico, if they see these priests getting murdered for their faith, you'd think that they would say, no thanks. Let somebody else do it. 
but they're packed. In Nagugu, which is a city in Nigeria, they have a seminary there with over 1,200 seminarians, and that is one of many. The seminaries in the United States here, packed. Please do not take my word for it. Look it up. We still don't have enough priests, but they're packed. Why would that be? If priests in their own country are getting shot down on the street, how could that be? Unless, of course, they feel the need to give themselves to something greater than themselves that's going to go on long after me. He who saves his life will lose it, but everybody who loses his life for my sake and something greater, that's the key. I don't care if you're 90 years old. I don't care if you've been married for 50 years. I, I, don't, I don't care. This is why I'm asking this. You can still find meaning in life, even if you've never had it up until this point. August 1941, Auschwitz. Every time a prisoner escaped from Auschwitz, 10, sol 10 prisoners had to be killed, and that's what happened. August of 1941, prisoner escaped. The Gestapo goes through and says, you, 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 come on, you're all going to die. And one of the guys that they picked was a father. And he starts crying and he goes down on his knees. He's like, I've got kids. Please. Nope, come on. So Maximilian Kolbe, he was a Catholic priest from Poland, he steps out of line, which was a capital offense. They could have shot him on the spot. He walks right up to the Gestapo and says, I want to take his place to die. And the guy looks at him and he's shouting in fury and he's like, who are you? And he doesn't say, I am Maximilian Kolbe. You know what he says? I'm a Catholic priest. He had so identified himself with that vocation. Fine. You want to take his place? He let the guy live. For the next two weeks, Father Colbe spent the next two weeks in a basement with no lights, no food, starving to death with nine other men. He was the last survivor. After two weeks, he led them in song as they were all dying. He was the last survivor. They shot him full of carbolic acid to kill him. That was in 1941. Fast forward 40 years to 1982 in Rome. The man whose life Maximilian Kolbe saved attended the canonization of the man who saved his life with his children and grandchildren. He who saves his life will lose it, but if you lose your life for something bigger than you, you will save it. People are not going to remember resumes, but they'll remember epitaphs.